This is Life of an Architect, a podcast dedicated to all things architecture, with a little bit of life thrown in for balance. We have all experienced it at one time or another, and for some people, they seem to experience it all the time. Architecture is a profession that seems to require more than its fair share of 40-plus hour weeks, so it only seems reasonable that we would dedicate a show to this topic. Welcome to Episode 97, Burnout. Welcome to the Life of an Architect podcast. I'm Bob Borson. And I'm Andrew Hawkins. And today, Andrew and I wanted to dedicate a show to the topic of burnout because I am suffering through it as much as anyone. And sometimes I feel like I go through these patches more than most because, well, I work like 50 hours a week at my regular job. And I know Andrew works a lot at his regular job. And in our spare time, we have another job, which is writing blog posts and recording podcasts and editing all this stuff. And that's like another 20 hours. So 70-hour yeah. weeks are not that uncommon for me, quite honestly. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, I think I'm in a constant state of burnout. Constant, huh? Pretty much. It feels that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think I go through phases, but it seems like in the past three years, and I guess we're going to get into it in a bit, but it seems to be more often than in the previous two decades, I think. Yeah. I have a section tagged for later to get into, but it's a little hyperbole when I say that I'm in a constant state of burnout, but I will tell you, I like working. I mean, I get some satisfaction from it. But man, it has been the last, I don't know, two years has really, it's kind of gotten on my nerves. <laughs> you know? It's, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. And it's funny. So we, we had burnout on our topic list for this year, actually. And we went ahead and moved it up into the 97 slot, which is what today's episode is. Because I was just sitting there at home last week. I took a week off from work. Because my wife and daughter took vacation, like kind of a mom-daughter trip with another mom and daughter. They went and took a, a really nice trip, and I didn't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I'm going to take a week off and stay at home for the first part of the week, and maybe I'll go do an adventure towards the end of the week. So I took off last week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and I worked all day Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, even though I was on PTO. Mm. And it's because I had to get stuff done. Yeah. And I yeah. go, it's not like, I can't just walk away from it. And it put me in a pretty foul mood. I'm not going to lie. Mm. And so I started going, you know what? This is some BS. <laughs> yeah. I'm not making fun of your plan. I'm just, no, no. You know what? I can see you going that. It just builds. And especially, yeah, I think when you take time off and then you still end up doing work mm -hmm. and you, you can't, I mean, I think it's part of it now is you're never really that unreachable. I mean, right. I think that adds to it is it just, unless you throw your phone in your pool. It doesn't matter where you're at in the world. Yeah. And I don't think you get any credit for throwing your phone in the pool. They're like, we couldn't get you and we expect to be able to get you all the time. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, it's true. I think kind of a little bit what I have going on, it's not that dissimilar from what other people have going on. I know everybody's working a lot. Everyone I asked right now that's in our profession, they're all working like crazy. Yeah, they are. And we have this form that we send out every week. It's a list of everybody in our office and how many hours they work, which I brought this up before. And the reason we do that is not to go, oh, that person's not working enough. It's the exact opposite. It's that we look at it and go, who do we need to be paying attention to? Because they're spending too much time working. If you're working 40 hours or less, you're just regular. 
there's nothing special going on in the form that comes out. The more hours you work, the more toward danger zone red your time starts to be identified. It gets. Because yeah. we know that it's a problem and we know that we don't want it. And I think since I've been receiving those updates, I don't think I put in less than 50 hours in the last year and a half. Yeah. And the thing is, I bring this on myself because I don't work. When I go to the office, I have a lot of different responsibilities. I don't just sit at my desk and grind for 50 hours a week. I have other things that I do. and yeah. So it doesn't feel that bad. And the truth is, if, if I didn't have that much going on, I'd still find a way to work 50 hours a week. I know I would. That's just who I am. And that part doesn't bother me. Yeah, I can see that. That is just how you are. But it does make it somewhat easier when you're not sitting there just in front of your desk, let's say drawing or modeling or whatever it is, typing specifications in a very similar task all day long for 50 hours. That makes it even worse. It does make it worse. But I think in my opinion, it's like way worse. Well, you know, it's part of the reason why I view the work from home situation maybe a little bit differently than other people. Because I've asked a lot of people about it. We still have folks that are really in favor of not just a work from home program, but like a vigorous, a robust one. Yeah. And when the pandemic was going on and we were working from home like a year, Mm -hmm. I worked all the time. I woke up, I was at my desk within five minutes. Yeah. It was constant. I bet that I was probably working 85 to 90% of my waking hours during that whole time. Because I go, what else am I going to do? And the other time I spent sleeping or drinking, that was about it. It was not healthy for me. Yeah. So going back in the office was a big, I started saying, I need that kind of clock that tells me to leave and go home. And the act of getting up from my desk and leaving gave me the right to come home and not open my computer up when I get home. Yeah. And I didn't. Yeah, I get it. So if we're going to talk about burnout, which clearly we are, I feel like we need to make a distinction between complaining and burnout because they're not the same thing. Complaining about your job is one thing and burnout's actually, it's a real thing. And so I think we should give a working definition to start our conversation. So I went onto the Mayo Clinic website. Okay, what do they think about it? And the way they describe job burnout is that it's a special type of work-related stress, a state of physical or emotional exhaustion that also involves a sense of reduced accomplishment and loss of personal identity. Burnout is a medical condition. Some experts think that other conditions such as depression are behind burnout, which I think is kind of an interesting way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. But the thing that gets me on this is the reduced accomplishment and loss of personal identity. And we'll get into that a little bit later because I asked some questions to folks and they responded and, and that shows up a little bit. Interesting. Interesting. Which I think is interesting. So what are the symptoms for job burnout? And they have these lists of questions that you can go through to determine, you know, are you just in a funk? I'm just tired because it's been a thing. Or is this, are you really experiencing something here? So they have this list. There's like 10 things on the list. So I'll read them. And I'd like to just say in your experience, and I'll do it as well. If you've ever had these symptoms. Okay. I'm putting you medically on the, <laughs> this is it. on the spot. You're medically on the spot here. So here we go. That's fine. Have you become cynical or critical at work? <laughs> yes. Yes. Of, yes. Of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Everyone. Do you drag yourself to work and have trouble getting started? Yes. Yes. Sometimes more times than others. And I used to always attribute it to, well, I don't want to do it. That's why I'm not doing it as opposed to I'm so incapable of doing it. So that one's a little bit of a gray area one for me, for sure. For me, that's usually task oriented. I'm only dragging myself on those days where I'm like, man, I really don't want to do what I got to do today. Yes. But there are days where it's not that way. So kind of like what you said. Yeah, for sure. 
Because we all have days when we go, oh, I'm just not feel. I don't want to work today. I don't feel like working. Like that happens. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's unusual. Have you become irritable or impatient with coworkers, customers, or clients? <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> that's funny. And I usually don't do that too bad. I don't think. I'm a pretty easygoing kind of guy. You get it from me. I know I do. But I'm saying I don't usually give that too much. I'm a pretty easygoing person, I think. Yeah. Well, so you could probably go, I know exactly when Bob started getting burnout because he starts writing me about <laughs> all this stuff, right? We, yeah. It's happened. Yeah, I know. We know it's there. So do you lack the energy to be consistently productive? No. Yes. I've never had that problem. You've always had that problem. <laughs> It's the consistently part, yes. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Do you find it hard to concentrate? No. Yeah, no, I usually don't either. Yeah, I don't have that. Do you lack satisfaction from your achievements? Yes. I was going to say, sometimes, yeah. Yeah. You know, I actually went to a therapist when I was like 30 years old. The reason I went is I was like, why can't I ever be happy? I'll set a goal and I'll achieve that goal. And in that moment when I should be basking in the glory of my achievement, I'm already on to the next goal, and I never could take a beat mm -hmm. and go, this was a big deal. Yeah, this was good. Like, even when I passed my license. Yeah. Well, yeah, we should have already do gotten that done. <laughs> yeah, I hear you on that one. I was always like, well, this should have happened a couple of years ago. <laughs> so, it was so bad that I was like, maybe there's something wrong with me. And they told me that you have other issues. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's when, even though I knew it, and the woman said, you have ADHD, and this is a brain chemistry issue, not a therapy issue. Take this pill. Mm. So that was how that worked. Gotcha. Okay. Do you feel disillusioned about your job? Hmm. That's a tough one to actually go on record and say. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know that I want to say it even if I did, but. I don't know. I would say yes, but it's not compulsive. It's just every once in a while, like not wanting to go to work. I mean, some days, yeah, I do feel disillusioned, but it's not a huge consuming thing that I feel. It's just every once in a while I think yeah. I get into that. Something happens and you're like, man, oh, this is so terrible. Yeah. I will tell you that I have performance. Uh, I can even be careful how I say this, but I want to be of value. I'm constantly driven by whatever I'm doing. I could do more. I could be of more value. Am I doing what I need to do to be that person of value? And that comes with disillusionment because you go, I'm not doing what I should be doing. Mm, yeah, I can see that. I get that quite a bit, actually. But I've always seen that as a part of my personality that has driven me to really achieve the things that have been successful. Mm. That desire to go, I could be doing more, I could be doing better. How can I change to accomplish these things? So I didn't view it as a negative, but maybe it is. For what I was meaning is like here during the pandemic, when I, I felt like I was giving everything I could to all of my students and then you know, I get those reviews at the end of the semester. Like he was not this and he wasn't that and he wasn't available. And I was like, man, I felt like I said, anytime you wanted to talk, I was there. Mm. You know, that starts to give that disillusionment in what I'm doing. Yeah, I can get that too. Okay. This one's a big one. Are you using food, drugs, or alcohol to feel better or simply not to feel? And I will tell you no to the simply not to feel. I can tell you that for sure. Yeah. Do you use food, drugs, or alcohol? Well, I don't use food, and I certainly don't use drugs to feel better. But I will tell you, over the last 12 months, I have had more alcohol than probably the previous four years combined. And I'm thinking it's because I'm trapped in my house and I needed something to do. It's kind of the way I looked at it, but I don't know. Maybe I should look at it under a different microscope. 
Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people that started drinking more during the pandemic. I actually was exactly the opposite. I drank so much less during the pandemic. I might could use food, but I don't think so, really, because I mean, I'm not, I don't think I do any of that stuff to make me feel better or to not to feel. The closest thing for me would that be Netflix or something as a drug. <laughs> I would sit in front of the television to escape or not feel, yeah. probably. That would be more to the point as opposed to drugs or alcohol or food. Yeah, I don't know if that one counts because the way I look at this one is, are you self-medicating in some way to deal with something yeah. is how I look at it. That's true. And that's why I look at it and go, well, I never drank so much as to end up with a lampshade on my head, but it became a form of entertainment for me to a certain extent. Yeah. And that's when I went, I can't do this. This is crazy. This is not healthy behavior. So I quit. Yeah. Have your sleep habits changed? Yes. In what way? They're definitely more erratic, I think. I don't know. It's hard for me to say. It's just recently, it's all pandemic related because my schedule is so bizarre or was so bizarre of mm. days on, days off and all this kind of stuff that my sleep habits got really bad. I'm still trying really hard to straighten those things out. Get up and go to bed at the same time all the time. Yeah. Whatever that time may be, it's probably not still not normal time for normal people, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, my sleep habits have changed, but I don't sleep much as it is. And I just sleep a little bit less. Yeah. I used to just wake up at six o'clock in the morning and lately I've been waking up at five. Hmm. That's a drag. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. It's part of the thing that gets me to the office like at 630 in the morning is because I wake up and I go, well, I can sit here for a minute, but I might as well just get to it because maybe I can stop doing something sooner. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which never happens, but yeah. Ne never happens. It's a good idea sitting in your bed at five in the morning. So those are the list of symptoms that they have. And I kind of go, all right, well, you know, I got a fair number of those. Yeah. Probably in the positive or a little bit in the red on every one of them. So I went, okay, so what next do they have? So they have job burnout risk factors. And it said the following factors may contribute to job burnout. So the first one they have on their list is you have a heavy workload and work long hours. You know what? I do work long hours and I have a heavy workload because I essentially am working more than one job. Yeah, I got you. I think if it was just one or the other, it would be completely manageable. I mean, for ad nauseum, I could probably maintain a 50 plus hour work week at my job forever. I don't think it would really bug me, but put another 20 plus on it afterwards, year after year after year. And I kind of go, yeah, okay. So that's certainly a risk factor and I can check that box. Yeah. What about you struggle with work-life balance for sure? I don't know that I do. You don't? That's because that's I don't have a life, so it's fine. It's, that, that's the balance? <laughs> Well, you know, we had Amir, I think was one who said it, one of the guys who comments frequently on our posts. He talked about, really, it's equilibrium. If you're just looking at it and saying that work-life balance is 50% of one and 50% another, that's never it. Like, you're never in that kind of balance. Yeah, yeah. So it really has to do with, at different phases of your life, you're looking for equilibrium. And I think that, like I said in the beginning, I took a week off vacation and I worked three of my five days. Mm-hmm. I go, that's not balance. That's probably saying, hey, you know what? That's not how this is supposed to work. When you take time off from work, that's the point. Don't work during your time off. I think that's more why that box would be checked for me. Yeah. None of these are specific to our profession, the field of architecture. But the next one is you work in a helping profession such as healthcare. And I don't work in healthcare. I like to think I work in a helping profession, <laughs> but it's not healthcare. Yeah, but it's not healthcare. Yeah. You feel you have little or no control over your work. I don't really feel that way. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say I do either. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe some aspects of it, not in general. Yeah. So now that we've kind of gone through, here are the symptoms and here's the factors that can contribute to it. The question then at this point becomes, have you felt 
burnout before. Just straight up. So do you think after here, it's kind of a test. You're like, for sure, right? Yeah, for sure. I'm not going to told you that without the test, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, can you think of like a particular time? Has it been worse at other times in your life? And Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. When I first took over my company, and I was whatever, 31 or 32, it was really bad. You know, small to start with, and then the two employees that were there left. And I was working probably 80-hour weeks for like two years, year and a half, just to try to keep things going because we had so many projects when, you know, when my the previous owner died abruptly, and I was just trying to keep way too many balls in the air. And that was probably the worst burnout of my entire existence. Essentially, I would just stop to eat and sleep some. I would leave the office, come home, have dinner, and then go back to work. Either go back to the office or sit at home. But a lot of times it was go back to the office till one or two in the morning, come home, get up at seven, go back to the office. It was bad. Yeah. Spent all my weekends and stuff there too. That's the worst. And I mean, that was definite burnout. It was really brutal. Really brutal. Well, you know, one of the things that we'll get into maybe a little bit later, and I don't know, maybe we should just do it while we're in the moment. So that went on for like two years, but I'm assuming you came out of it. Like, did you just stop working as much? I mean, what was it that helped you Yeah, <laughs> transition out of feeling burnout? Stopping working. It took me that long to realize that I just, I had to stop. I was going to give myself a coronary in the next mm-hmm. year if I didn't stop what I was doing. I had to stop. And so I made myself, made a conscious effort. It's interesting. Doing that, then it allowed me to be able to actually look to hire people to help me when I wasn't just working all the time. Yeah. It was like I just took on all the responsibility and I didn't have to. And it just took me a while to to realize that. And then, yeah, I just, I stopped working as much. You know, I wrote down some things on how you can handle it, action steps that you can take. Because, you know, we, we want this to be fun and entertaining, but we also want you to have a takeaway, something to think about. I went back and I was thinking, all right, have I felt burnout before? Like the difference between like being bored or disgruntled or unhappy for one reason or another, but like true burnout. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't remember feeling burnout really until about six years ago. I mean, I remember when it happened. I remember feeling it. Mm -hmm. I think part of it comes from the fact that I've always had a pattern of working a lot of hours in like my entire professional life. I mean, that's just kind of who I am. And I I think a lot of it had to do with the work ethic that my Lutheran Norwegian dad Mm -hmm. put in me. I should say he scared it into me, to be honest with you. Mm. And like, there was no sitting around my house growing up. There was no hanging out. That was a word that my dad liked to use when I was a kid. Like there's no hanging out. And I can't remember if I've told this story. I mean, we've, this is episode 97. It's possible I told this story before, so (laughs) I don't know. Or highly probable, but let's see. Maybe not. Well, No, I got a lot of stories. I know. So this is one that I share occasionally and it's not necessarily the best, doesn't paint my dad in the best light, to be honest with you. But for this purpose, it's an appropriate story to tell. I don't know. I was sitting on the couch watching TV. My dad goes, what are you doing? And I go, I'm like, like watching TV. He goes, you don't have something to do? I was like, no. Like, ha ha, I got you. I don't have anything to do. He goes, follow me. We went out to the backyard. He grabbed a shovel and he goes, I need you to dig a hole right here. And he kind of gestured and he goes, I want it to be you know, this big by this big and about a foot and a half deep right here and just put the dirt right there. When you're done, come and get me. And he walked off, went back in the house. And so I'm out there digging a hole, you know, and I wasn't that old. I mean, I might've been like 10 or something. Mm -hmm. So I dig this hole and it took a long time for me to dig this hole, you know, like 30 minutes. And so I go get my dad and I show him, I go, here's the hole. 
and I put the dirt where you asked me to put it. And I'm thinking, can I go watch TV now? And he goes, okay, I want you to dig a hole just like this one right here. And it was like a couple of feet away. And he goes, but I want you to take the dirt from this new hole and put it in the hole, this hole here, the one you already dug. I was like, what? He goes, just do it and come get me when you're done. So I dig a second hole and use the dirt from that hole to fill up the first hole that I dug. And I was like, I was like, oh, wow. So this is like an hour of my Saturday at this point. Yeah. And I go on outside and I go, all right, I'm done. And he goes, okay, I need you to dig a third hole right here. And then take the dirt from this hole and put it in that hole. And I go, what's happening here? And he goes, do you still need something to do? And I was like, no. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and the lesson was, is there's no sitting around. Yeah. Like if you don't find something to do, I will find something for you to do. And it might be digging a hole and filling the previous hole with the dirt from the new hole. Yeah. And so that was kind of how it was in my house growing up. And so when that manifested itself. Yeah. Now. Into my work life. Yeah. Yeah. It was, if I have 40 hours worth of work, I'll still work 50 hours. And even when I started the website, Life of an Architect, that was 2010 when things were slow. And I didn't have 40 hours worth of work. I go, look, let me assign myself all this new homework to do every week. Yeah. yeah. You know, when I started, I was doing like three posts a week. Yeah. I mean, it was constant and it took up a ton of my time. I mean, it was a lot of work, but you know, it was just kind of like I was feeding a part of me and you know, truth is it was cool and it was fun yeah. you know, and I enjoyed it even though it was work. But then fast forward to about 2016. Well, you were just filling up that work hole with the blog hole dirt that you were digging to make the blog. That's what you were doing, man. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> but then we got busy at the office. Yeah. And now I'm back to working 40, 50 hours at the office. And then I go home. And so there was this pattern. For years, I wrote three posts a week. And then, and I was like, it's too much. Like, this is too much. So I went to two a week, which I find ridiculous to this day. Two a week. That was me scaling back. Yeah. And then it went to one a week and I felt super guilty about it, to be honest with you. Then I thought, I don't know. Why don't I do a podcast? Why don't I give myself more work to do? So now I still write basically four posts a month, one a week, but then I also record this podcast with you. Yeah. Yeah. This is a lot more work than most people realize. It's a lot more work than just a blog post too. I mean, yeah, way more. <laughs> so it's one of those things. So around 2016, I started thinking, I don't want to do this anymore, but I felt like I couldn't quit. And that's when I started to feel like this, because keep in mind, this has been nonstop for 12 years now, no holidays, no breaks. Even when I go on holiday, I would write, I have the same thing. I'm going with one of the partners in my office up to New Mexico and we leave on Friday and we don't get back till Monday. I have a blog post that's supposed to come out on Monday. So I'm like, I got to get that done before I leave on Friday. Yeah. Right? There is no, Hey, it didn't work out. So I'm just not writing one. Like in my head, that's broken. Yes. There's no slack given in your brain. Never. I know. And so I go, I feel like I've been at this now for, in this moment of going, I don't want to really want to do this anymore for like six years. Mm. So I go, burnout is for sure a real thing in my world. So how would you tell other people? And I have a list here, so we can certainly talk about it. I went to a bunch of medical sites because there's a ton of information on the internet yeah. about burnout. I'm sure. There's probably, I bet there's a website called burnout.com. Oh, probably. If there's not, patent pending. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it's some cars or something, right? Like burning yeah, rubber. Yeah, or something It's else. been out for a long time. For sure. <laughs> We've stolen the phrase. So there are things that you can do. If you're going through burnout, there are things that you can do. And you know, the truth is a lot of them, they seem pretty 
I don't want to be rude about it, but I think most people with two rocks bouncing around their head would probably, <laughs> once they recognize that they are experiencing burnout, they probably know what they need to do to deal with it. They're probably straightforward and really obvious. It's just a matter, I think, of making yourself do those things. That's actually the harder part. Not knowing what they are, but making yourself actually do them. Well, so I went and found some information that was specific to not just burnout, but to job burnout. All right. So like, here's one of the things you should consider, like evaluate your options. So this has to do with like, discuss specific concerns with your supervisor, right? And I'm sure it's like, I work too many hours or I have too many tasks on my plate or I don't have the support I need or I don't have the skill set to answer the questions that I'm being asked to answer, you know, those sorts of things. Yeah. And it's just saying, see if you can't work with that person to help come up with some solutions or options or pathways to help you forge through this minefield that you're currently feel like you're going through. Mm -hmm. And I go, that makes sense. I think most people would probably do that if they recognize that they had a problem. Again, it's just, you have to be able to say, I can't do this or whatever it is. And that's hard for people for sure. Mm -hmm. Seek support was another one. That's, you can talk to coworkers, friends, loved ones. And support and collaboration might be the thing that helps you cope. You need a support group. Yeah. What I don't know, part of that sounds like there's a whole giant paragraph associated with this. When I look at that, it really has to do with almost like just unload it. That's part of what, don't carry this around. Just you telling, yeah. just like you just come. Somebody, yeah. Talk about it with somebody so that you can get it out. Yeah. And part of it's just, hey, just go complain to your buddy. For an hour and like, maybe that will help. I tend yeah. to think, no, that makes it worse for me. <laughs> yeah. If I sit around and complain about it, I go, that's another hour that I spent talking about this thing that's driving me crazy. I don't feel better after complaining about something. Most of the time I feel worse. Yeah. I don't find that productive, but apparently this is a viable pathway for people to look and to pursue. Yeah. Try a relaxing activity. Okay. I mean, I'm assuming sleep is not one of them. Yeah, that doesn't count. So in this one, they say things like, oh, yoga and meditation or Tai Chi or something like that. And you had mentioned earlier, like Netflix, maybe your relaxing activity is sitting on a couch and turning the processing part of your brain off and just focusing on the, the observing part of your brain. Yeah. And that's probably a part of it. Yeah. For sure. It doesn't take any real brain power to sit there and watch TV, right? I can just kind of, in a way, unplug from decisions, yeah. I guess. Just be a lump on the couch yeah. and just be entertained. Yeah, you know? exactly. They have one on here, get some exercise. And I've actually heard this from a lot of people. Yeah. Regular physical activity can help you deal with stress. Part of it's just sometimes it's like working out your aggression in a healthy way, or sometimes it's just taking your mind off it. Like you going for a jog around a block or whatever it is. My mind would be focusing on breathe and don't <laughs> fall down in somebody's yard. Yeah. <laughs> I can say, I mean, I typically, even though, again, any sort of exercise habits I had died in the pandemic, I usually feel better. I've got a little bit, a little bit more energy, but also just the endorphins or whatever you want to call it. It would just feel a little bit better when you can exercise and yeah, you know, whatever it is, it's getting out some of that stress, I think. I have a handful of people that they really like exercise. They almost view it as a reward. Oh, me going and going to the gym and doing whatever. It's like, oh, that was a good day. Like I got to do this. I'm treating myself yeah. by carving one hour of my life and filling it with exercise as opposed to some other obligation or chore that I need to be doing. Yeah. 
in order for me to carve out this hour to go exercise, it's an hour of something else that I should be doing that maybe I'm not. So you're having to consciously say, this is important and I'm going to make time for it. Yeah. Back at that time, when I was stressing out so much and doing a lot of work, I was, that's back when I was running marathons. And so, yeah, I used to love to go run for three or four hours on the Sunday. That was a good time for me <laughs> mm. back then. I would love to do it now. I don't know if I'm physically capable anymore, but I mean, I would love to be able to get back to that. Yeah, it was always really cathartic to be able to just go and put in some headphones and just leave everything behind. Well, the last thing they have on this list is mindfulness. And it's funny because as I read this, I know there's a woman that I work with in my office. I know that she does this. She talks about like self-care and mental health. These are things that she's really dialed in on. And mindfulness in this case is talking about the act of focusing your breath, really trying to focus on what you're sensing and feeling of every moment that you're doing this kind of activity yeah, without any interpretation, like you're not trying to figure it out. And they're saying that in a job setting, this practice involves facing situations with openness and patience and without judgment. But the way it manifests for her is she's like, I'm going to take 15 minutes and I'm going to do whatever I need to do to so completely unplug from deadlines and conversations and zoom calls. And mm-hmm. like, I need to talk to that person yeah. and just like, Feel the air on my skin. Listen to my heartbeat. Feel my chest rising and falling as I breathe. Really try to be within yourself. That's something that she does. I don't know that I could do that, but that probably speaks to my immaturity at my age more than anything else. I can't do it. I mean, I've tried. I've had some turbulent times in my life and I've tried to do that. But when I sit there and start to be quiet and try to concentrate on my breathing, I can't stop my brain. My brain is just like, well, what are you doing about this? And what are you doing about that? And you got this to do tomorrow. I can't even focus on right. Yeah, the 10 minutes I'm supposed to just be trying to listen to myself breathe. My brain says, uh-uh, you're not doing that. Forget it. <laughs> We're not letting you off so easy. Yep. Nope. I had a fitness watch for a while. And one of the activities they would have you do, and I think this is like a Navy SEAL thing, and it has to do with like calming and centering yourself. And it had to do with like, You breathe in for four seconds, you hold for four seconds, you breathe out for four seconds. Yeah. And you go through this pattern of doing it and you have to be specific about the energy and effort and time that you're putting forth to it and the act of consciously breathing in as opposed to the unconscious act of breathing in, counting it, being aware, like breathe in, two, three, four, hold, two, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Engages enough parts, different parts of your brain to where it stops you from worrying about Thinking, oh, I need to make that phone call. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I could never get it to work for me. Navy SEALs make it work. Yeah, well. And I go, I'd be thinking, three, two, three, four, don't step on that landmine, three, four, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So you go, well, if it works for them, it seems like maybe some additional effort on my part, I could probably make it work for myself. Maybe so. So the one question that I looked up, and I got all kinds of answers, and I'm really curious, and you already mentioned this a little bit. But the question was, how long does it take to recover from burnout? And there's a woman who sits next to me. She's the one actually brought it up. And I was like, ooh, that's a good one. I should definitely ask that. And she goes, it can take over a year. And I was like, what? I go, that can't possibly be right. So I went and did some research. Went to the internet where all knowledge is contained. And I found every single span of time you can possibly imagine under the sun yeah whatever it was so i go "Eh." well it seems like the most common because they all said well it depends on how long you've been burned out from take a nap to 
three years and eight months. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, you need to rest. You need to disengage. And I go, I do that every night when I fall asleep. Yeah. But the thing that I found the most common suggested that professional job-related burnout takes about four months to recover from. Like whatever it is you're doing that's causing it, you got to remove that and be not a part of that for a period of about four months. Because hmm. they've kind of broken it down into three phases. One is acknowledgement. One is figuring out how to deal with it. And the other is putting a plan into action. And that process takes on average. This is this many weeks to do this, this many weeks to do that. But ultimately, it ends up being around 15 to 18 weeks. That's interesting. I would have figured it's something like when I got divorced, it was always this like ratio of one month for year or something that they were always telling me, like, it's going to take you that long to deal with it. Yeah, like morning period. Yeah, yeah. I figured there'd be some sort of generic calculation like that you could find of like, well, how long have you burnt out? It's one week for every month or something crazy like that. But yeah, I think most people, they don't actually know when it's, they just know when they have it. Yeah. And they're like, I feel this way now for sure. How long has it been building up? When did the switch flip? Yeah. Right. Or I go burn out now, click. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it's like it's a threshold. You build and build and build and it starts as unhappiness or something like that, but it just either slowly or quickly, but over some amount of time builds up to the point that it actually is burnout. It's probably hard to pinpoint. The beginning of that, for sure. Yeah, I would imagine it. You know, maybe I just need to spend more time looking at it. But the idea, like, how long does it take to achieve burnout? That should be just as valid of a question. You shouldn't be able to go from nothing to burnout in a week. Yeah. Burnout takes like, a certain amount of time before it's really burnout. Like true burnout, yeah. And since they're suggesting, there are people that suggest that burnout is not a medical condition. It's really depression is the root cause of this. And this is... Maybe you're depressed over all the things that we mentioned, that you're depressed over your job or you're depressed over the fact that you don't get to spend time with your friends because you're working all the time or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Well, I mean, I could definitely see that depression could add to the, the possibility of burnout for sure. Well, it suggests that the solutions are not going to provide the solution. If it really is, depression is your root cause. Yeah, if it's depression. Most yeah, of sure. the things they're saying, oh, go talk to your boss. That ain't going to help. Yeah, this is true. You know? Knowing that we were going to record this today, I turned to Instagram and I said, I'll do a bunch of poll questions. I was super, super surprised by the amount of engagement that I got. I feel pretty lucky and fortunate. I get pretty good engagement whenever I do anything on Instagram. This was kind of a lot because I only did it as of this right now, 10 hours ago. And all the numbers that I have here that I'm going to share with you, I collected at the seven hour mark. I mean, just before we started. Yeah right before I got everything set up. So in seven hours, I got all this stuff. a lot of response. And of course, it'll go on for 24 hours. So more than what we get for the Ask the Show episodes, <laughs> like way more. Well, good Ask the Show return. We get about 60 to 100 in there. Yeah. And I will tell you on these, it's like 600. Yeah, that's crazy. It's a lot more. Yeah. And I go, I guess it's just if you ask the right sort of questions or you ask questions of people who want to answer them because they want to know the answers, then I guess it's going to change. That's a hot topic, right? Because we're probably all going through it, yeah. which is some, I'm saving something juicy for when we get through this next bit. So let me tell you what the questions were and I'll tell you where the percentages are. Yes or no. I try to keep it simple. Yes or no questions. No. Oh, okay. So, so question one was, have you experienced burnout in the last 12 months? 86% said yes. Hmm. And I go, I don't know that I'm surprised by that. I don't know if 86 is true burnout, like clinically 
But the fact that you think you have burnout is real enough for me. Yeah. So I go 86% <laughs> said yes. Yeah. That's a lot. That is a lot. That is a lot. Question two said, have your sleep habits changed in the last 12 months? 75% said yes. Hmm. Now, there really should have been a follow-up. Are you sleeping less? Are you sleeping more? Is it poor quality sleep? Is it non-recovery sleep? What kind of sleep is it? But it's just changed. That's all I asked. Yeah. I think just doing one more that was just less or more would be interesting to just get that information as to if it's less sleep or more sleep. You know, I would guess that it's going to be less sleep. I mean, I would too, but I think it would be interesting to see. Yeah. Question three was, do you struggle finding work-life balance? 79% said yes. Mm. And I know it's because everyone's like, because it's too much work right now. Yeah, for sure. I'm missing a big chunk of my life. Well, I think it just goes back to what I talked about earlier, though, is this idea of always being available and always being on. And I mean, I've always complained about that since the invention of email <laughs> mm-hmm. and then cell phones, right? That it's like people think they can get you all the time. But for some reason, I think the pandemic made it so much worse. All the work from home stuff just obliterated the idea of a work day, like you were talking about before. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It doesn't really matter now. Nobody cares. Oh, whatever time it is, who cares? You're available. You should be. Yeah. I think that's part of it. Well, I was thinking that we use Microsoft Teams, which quite honestly, I really enjoy. I mean, as a software platform, it does a lot of things that I find very helpful and useful. What I don't love about it is that if I'm on my computer, Teams is up and running because that's just how it's set up to go. Mm -hmm. If one of my coworkers says, hey, I'm going to jump on the computer and do my own thing, they see my dot is green. I'll get a ping and they'll say, hey, do you got a minute? Doesn't matter if it's eight o'clock at night or whenever the case mm-hmm. may be. They're like, well, yeah. he's on his computer. I can just like send him a quick message. Yeah. That happened way more during the pandemic than it happens now, but it's not preposterous to think it happens enough now to where it's a thing. Hmm. Question four, do you cope by finding an outside hobby? 61% said yes. Hmm. Which I was a little surprised that that number was as low as it was, or maybe as high as it is, because... I was going to go with as high, because you don't have any time. (laughs) Yeah, you don't have any time. But I went, it's not how much of your time do you get to dedicate. It's like, do you try to cope with feeling burnout by partaking in whatever activity that's non-work related? Yeah, doing something else. That's kind of how I read it. Yeah. Or, you know, how I interpreted it. 61% said yes. I mean, I looked at it, I'm always a little surprised, because I don't think I have a hobby. My hobby seems to be the podcast and the blog post. (laughs) Yeah. Which is why I think I suffer from burnout. <laughs> so Your barbecuing is a bit of a hobby. It's just you don't do it very much. Yeah. I mean, how much meat can somebody eat? I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's a I, lot. Still, yeah. My daughter's 100% turned off a of barbecue. She's like, it's too much. <laughs> and I go, I made like eight briskets in a year. She's like, this is too much. All right, fair mm-hmm. point. So question five, did the pandemic contribute to your sense of burnout? 68% said yes. Interesting. I thought that would be a lot I would higher. expect that one to be higher. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. So a little surprising on that. Question six, do you think remote work reduces burnout? 51% said no. So the majority, even though it wasn't by much, yeah, the majority still thinks that work from home does not help with burnout. And you know what? Does not, wait, does not increase burnout, right? Doesn't create burnout. Well, no, it doesn't reduce it. You working remotely does not reduce burnout. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it doesn't help. Yeah. Work from home doesn't help you avoid feeling burnout. Burnout. And the truth is, I thought this number would actually be, I mean, I feel a little validated because I thought I felt more burned out in a work from home situation because Mm -hmm. I work more. Me too. I just did. I felt more like, oh, what am I going to do? Might as well do this right now. Yeah. Me too. Me too. 
But I feel a little validation that at least it's the majority, the very minor majority. Very, majority. but yeah. yeah. So after seven hours when I collected all this data, there was, and because it's Instagram, I don't have the same number of respondents for every question. So the fewest number of votes I got on one of those yes, no question was 567 people, right? Mm. Voted. The high was exactly 600 after seven hours. Mm. So in the blog post, I'm sure I'll post this information and I'll give updated final numbers, but that's a lot. And the truth is, is over the eight slides or whatever this is over, I only had a drop off of 33 people. Yeah. And that's really good. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. So one of the things that I'm pulling it up on my phone right now, because I got so many responses to this that I go, well, I can't, I don't know how to handle this. I asked a question and the question that I asked had to do with what contributes most to your sense of feeling burned out. I wanted to know what is the thing that people go, this is the cause. This is what I think is impacting me. I had uh, 178 people take the time to fill that out. Hmm. And I'll just rattle off a bunch of these real quick. Work from home never seems to end. Everyone wants it now. The hurry up and wait game. Work stress and overtime. Projects that go on forever due to the current construction climate. The ability to work remote has led to a sense of entitlement of all of my time outside of typical hours, one that we've mentioned a few times. Mm -hmm. The increasingly small separation between work and life coupled with huge workload. Office being overworked because projects are regularly understaffed, feeling expected to take on more than I can reasonably handle, feeling too obligated to be available 100% of the time, keeping up with emails around the clock, and somebody said in demanding students, so that's a professor chiming in there. It wasn't me. I didn't say that. It wasn't you. Uh, I know who it is. I know who it was. Oh, okay. It wasn't me. I'm not sure I disagree, but it wasn't me that said it. <laughs> Not saying no to jobs I shouldn't take, 50 plus hour weeks and not accomplishing goals. Somebody wrote Bob Borson, and that was my boss actually who filled that out. So good looking out for him. Blurred boundaries between work and life. Relentless deadline pressure with little empathy for management. Like you see, there's a pattern here for sure. Mm. It's yeah. I work all the time. And the expectation is that whatever amount I'm working, I need to be doing more. Yeah, and I'm supposed to be working all the time. That's the other thing I think is interesting. The one I hadn't I hadn't really thought about was one of the first ones that you said that was about the construction climate, making projects just continue to go and go and go and go and go. And I just thought about all the revisions and things that would be having to happen because of that. Yeah. What I read, like eight or 10 or something, and like 178 of these. Yeah. As I'm just scrolling this and this person said, absurd expectations of productivity, especially now working from home. Constant demand for 100% and overtime with zero compensation. Feeling like I'm working so hard, but still seeing bad results at work. Mm. Too much on my plate and everything needs to be done now. Too many projects. Overwhelming workload. Projects in crisis. Firm has too much work and not enough staff. Absence of coworkers. Isolation at work. Always being behind. Deadlines piling up. I mean... It just keeps going and going. There's certainly a pattern here. Such a pretty picture we're painting in this episode. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because we could turn this into a different topic at this point because- Yeah, I got you. I have personally gone through two pretty severe downturns in the economy to where everyone's like, 
I need work and people are getting laid off and it was, and it was bad. Oh yeah, for sure. Right now, every person I'm talking to, their firm is as busy as they can ever remember being Yeah, ever. Well, almost all of them are looking for people. Yeah. So, and it seems like they're not out there because of the previous two turndowns where so many people left the profession. Yeah. So it's one of those things that people are like, I'm unhappy. We have too much going on. And management goes, we don't know how to solve that problem. And people say, well, take on less work. And I will tell you in my own office, we have projects that are kicking off now. We've had paperwork on them for like two years Mm -hmm. and they just didn't start. And all of a sudden their phone rings like, okay, we're starting right now. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. We don't, we don't have, we can't. We're not ready for it. You're like, you're under contract. Our pipeline isn't ready for you. Yeah. But it's too late. Yeah. Yeah, So it's kind of a big deal. And it's really hard for people to not say yes to work when you're management. You're always like, oh my God, we got to hustle to get the work, to make sure that we can Mm -hmm. pay salaries and stuff like that. And yeah, you know, and the not work is always looming. I think that's one of the things that until you get there and until you're either operating a firm or you're up in the upper management, you don't really understand the true panic of there not being work. That's so much worse than the idea of having too much work. Yes. It's a, a much larger consuming issue than you could ever think about until you're put in that situation. Well, the last question that I asked everybody, it wasn't really a question, maybe it's more of a poll. Poll sounds right. Was I asked how old everybody was. Hmm. I put it in a bracket. And interestingly enough, I was thinking, oh, I want someone out of school since it's a job related, not a, oh, I'm busy at school kind of thing. I put the starting bracket 24 to 35 because I was 24 when I got out of school. I have an April birthday. I was in college for six years. That's what it was, you know, 24. I've had a lot of people go, bro, 22. Part of it's nice because they're like, I don't want you to think I'm lying. When I click the 24 to 35, when I'm not 24, I'm 22, or whatever the case may be. But the number of respondents in the age bracket 24 to 35 was 376. The age bracket of 36 to 45 was 155. So a little bit a little bit less than half of the first group. Mm-hmm. Age 46 to 55 was 42 people. And then 55 plus was 10. So the vast majority were people within... Presumably, the first 10 years of their career is where the vast majority of the answers came from, Hmm. more than 50%. And so I thought that was pretty interesting myself. Well, and almost, I guess it sounds like almost 80% came from the first 20 years, that 24 to 45 was like 80-something percent. Well, let's see, 3, 4, or 75, 5, 25. Yeah, I mean, 376 plus 155 versus... 52 for everything else the first 20 years i mean so maybe even 90 percent, 95 percent. yeah it's a big number so that's kind of the burnout conversation it's a thing everybody seems to be having it it's not good there's techniques and things that you can do to try to alleviate it but it's a struggle and you know and part of the reason i thought we should do this episode is to confirm and you know these people who are responding they're from all over the world So this isn't a, hey, it's really bad in this firm, like this firm's the problem, or this city. Or this even the US, right? Yeah. It's the world right now is is having this exact same challenge. And it's like everybody's tired. Everybody's working too much. The expectations are like off the charts. And I don't think we would have gotten the same answers to these questions if I'd asked them three years ago. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah, I think the percentages would have been a lot different. Yeah. I mean, I think some of those comments about why the burnout 
are fairly common from people in the first 10 years of their career, probably. But I think it's just right now, it's everything is just so amplified. It's so much worse than it's ever been. Yeah. At least that I can remember in my 22 years, of 23 years of doing it. So let's move on to the more uplifting part <laughs> of today's show. Yay. Which it may not be uplifting. <laughs> I was like, did you manage to come up with a burnout related? <laughs> Would you rather? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. You know, it's funny. I almost thought about doing a, a hypothetical, just kind of switch things up a little bit. Ah, yeah. But I didn't. I didn't because I knew that this show would be a, a long one anyway. This one would be a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so I said, no, I'll still keep it to the short. But I was telling some people in my office about it, and I was giving them examples of questions that we couldn't ask. It's like inappropriate. And I remember one got asked to Joe Rogan. I always thought, oh, it'd be so much fun to answer. But I go, man, it's going to rub people the wrong way. It had to do with like, how many five-year-olds could you take out in a fist fight? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, I go, some people uh, are like, no, you can't do that. You can't talk about that sort of thing. And I go, all right, yeah, it's yeah. fair. It's fair. Or yeah. your Sophie's Choice questions, you know. Mine always. Andrews are all like, would you rather kill one person on purpose or 10 people on accident? You know, or, you know, would you rather yeah. kill one person that didn't deserve it or a hundred people that did deserve it? These are terrible questions. Like, not even fun. So, in that vein. Yeah. In my defense, they weren't all about killing people, but they were always way too serious, I think. Way too yeah. serious. Yeah. They were like, I go, that's dark. They were heavy or intense. Yeah, right? They were very heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this one is not heavy. And there's a twist to this. Oh, by the way, I have a coworker of mine that totally is on your side with how I try to manipulate every single question so that you always lose. She is super passionate about it. She's like- She's smart. That's what she is. She's smart. Man. No, I go, no, that's, that's no fun. I go, besides, whatever Andrew answers, I'm going to take the other path because that's the fun way to do it is to say you're wrong. And then- <laughs> I did notice I lost the, the bed battle, it seems like. Yes. Yeah. You owe me a cold beer. Wasn't that way in the beginning? And on the on the website, I won, but in your poll, I lost on the Instagram poll. Yeah, there was more people that agreed in the blog post, but the website, yeah, I lost, or the Instagram post, I lost. Over, I was really overwhelmingly dis- choose hard floor with pillow and a blanket as opposed to a comfy mattress and no blanket, no pillow. I was disappointed by that. All right, so here's today's question. We'll see when I unveil the twist. Today's question is: Would you rather be the smartest? wealthiest, most beautiful, or most famous person in the world? It's too many choices. So it's the smartest. Yep. The wealthiest. Yep. The prettiest. Yeah. Most beautiful. And what was the last one? Most famous. Most famous. And I'm going to say that, so there's two twists that we can take on this. One is if you choose wealthiest, you can't give your money away. Because that would be the safe answer. Go, I'm going to choose the wealthiest and then I'm going to be benevolent and I'm going to pay to feed everybody and build homes all over the world and personally, individually take out homelessness. And No, you can't do that. That's well, too easy. It's too easy of an answer. Because these well, all make not you- fair. It makes you obnoxious. Almost all these is like, like whatever you choose, you're kind of a, a tool, <laughs> right? I mean, like, <laughs> the other way to look at it is you could say, whatever one thing you choose, you aren't the other things. Because I would argue, and I did, and this is why my wife's the one that pointed this out to me, is I said, well, I wouldn't choose wealthiest because if I was the smartest, most beautiful, or most famous, I'd probably have enough money to live however I wanted. 
money would not be my challenge. That was already my thought on it as well. So she's like, it's more of a challenge. It's more the typical, that stinks kind of question. If you- You can only be one of these things. Yeah. If you're smart, you're not wealthy, you're not beautiful, and you're not famous. Yeah. If you're wealthy, you're not smart, you're not beautiful, and you're not famous. If you're famous, you're not beautiful, wealthy, you're smart. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, I suppose. I don't know. I think if that's the case, then it becomes easy for me, though, because I would just pick smart. I mean, I was going to pick smart no matter what, probably, because my idea was that if I was smart, I could make money, and that would be fine. And if I was smart, I might could make myself famous. But even if that's not the case, I would just rather be smart than anything else. It doesn't say I'm horrendously looking and flat broke. That's right. I'm not the most. That's right. I would just be smartest person in the world and make my living and go about my life and be just fine. Look, and let me tell you why that's maybe not the right answer. <laughs> Look, okay. my gut reaction was smart too. Mm -hmm. Of course, the rest of them are obnoxious. Yeah. The problem with being, you're not just smart, you're the smartest. Yes, I know. I go, you talking to anybody is going to be a pain to you. A pain, yep. You're going to go, oh my God. Every conversation you're like, oh, good Lord. Mm -hmm. Talking to anybody might be agony to you. Mm -hmm. I definitely don't want that. And I kind of think, you know, I'm I'm doing okay in the smart category now, so maybe I should look at one of the other ones. Mm. I can tell you the one that I definitely would not be most famous. That's easy. Fame? Ugh. Yeah. Mm -mm. I mean, that doesn't appeal to me at all mm -mm. in reality, because then you just don't have a life. You're never alone. You're constantly being bombarded by people and people and stuff. And I mean, yeah, I would not want that at all. Yeah. And can you imagine you just want to go to the grocery store and buy some eggs and somebody takes a picture and they're like, uh, oh my God, Andrew Hawkins didn't buy cage free eggs. Yeah. And like, that's a big story or something. Exactly. Like what a jerk yeah. you are because everyone's so interested in who you are. Oh, yeah. Terrible. Yeah. I don't want that at all. All right. So most famous, that's off the list. We both agree. That one's done. That's a terrible answer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wealthiest. I kind of go, that's not a bad one. I know a handful of some pretty wealthy people, and you know, you hear that phrase, more money, more problems. I'd like to give that one a go. <laughs> I'm seeing what they're dealing with. I'm like, I think I can handle that. I think I can handle that. Yeah. I mean, that would have been my second choice until you said I couldn't be charitable with it. That's right. You can't be charitable because it's too easy. That 100% has to be the right answer or you're, you're a jerk otherwise. Yeah. So that's why I put that one on there because that would obviously be the answer. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't mean like... Even to the point not of solving world hunger, but just being charitable. I'm generous as I am now. I don't have a lot of money to give away and I'll still do it. So that's why that one's out for me is because that would be part of what I did if I had that kind of money. So if I can't do that, then I don't want to do that. Well, okay, let's put it this way. You can do that with all of them because if you're smart, you can do things to solve problems for people that need charity. You can figure out how to grow food in the desert if you're the smart. Well, maybe. So like we can kind of go. No matter if you're famous, you can lend your face and your likeness, whoever you are, to tell, okay, this is important, which famous people do now. Sure. If you're beautiful, same kind of thing. You can take this and do yeah. positive things with it in addition to all the terrible things that you probably would want to be doing. <laughs> so I looked at yeah. that and I went, you know what would be interesting? Because it's the one that I think that I have the least of is the most beautiful. I have no idea what that would be like. And that's still assuming that you, you can make money off of that skill. If you can't, if you're not smart, you're not wealthy, and you're not famous, but you're beautiful, pass. I'm out on that one. But if I could leverage my beauty to make money, that one could be fun. <laughs> yeah, except for the fact that it, 
in my mind, I think about that as being something that's temporary. Mm. It would be really strange if you were the most beautiful person for your entire life. That would just be weird. That's just what it is. (laughs) You're the most, yeah. And see, I I don't think I would. That's again, I think that'd be too much attention. That's not what I want. I don't want that kind of attention. Don't you think you're going to get too much attention on all of these? No, no. I think I'm not talking about you get recognized in the grocery store attention. Because if you're the smartest person, you got to go to the right kind of place where everyone's going to know who you are. But they will. That's going to say right now, I couldn't tell you who the smartest person in the world was. Nobody knows. Somebody probably knows, but yeah, most people don't know. So then you could live your life doing whatever you wanted to do. Yeah, but if those smart people and whatever it is that they do go to the place where other people do what they do, they're rock stars. Yeah, and that's fine. That's, but again, that's not everywhere. That's kind of temporary. Right. That's the, you can go to the grocery store and buy your eggs and nobody cares. Yeah. Oh, you solved world hunger because you learned how to grow food with no water. Oh, you're that guy? <laughs> Nobody's following you to the grocery store anyway. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Yeah, you know what? Because if you did that, you'd probably have some money. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. You probably would. I mean, if I had that kind of money, I'm not going to the grocery store. I'm sending somebody to do it for me. <laughs> for sure. Well, if that's the case, I'm like, joking. You, could just, I'm joking. you could climb up in your throne and they could put you on their shoulders and- you don't have to worry about people getting close to you because you've got like bodyguards. That's something. right. Exactly. Like you're like the pharaoh going to the grocery store. Yeah. You know, if you were the super wealthy guy, I would just buy my own grocery store. Nobody could go but me. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, you're going to have a house manager who will take care of that for exactly, you. Exactly. Yeah. But anyway, my concern about it, and I guess we didn't say that because it didn't mean you would be dumb, but- Right. I'm still assuming that my level of smarts is intact as I become the most beautiful person. Yeah. Now you got me thinking about it. I still wouldn't choose beautiful. It would either be wealthiest or smartest. Those are still my two choices. But if I had to choose one, it would still be smartest probably. If I had to choose one today, right now, which I guess I do, that's the point. I'm going to choose wealthiest. It's fair. But that, because I think I go, I think that's just what I would do because it would, it liberates me from things that I currently am not in the mood to do because I'm burnt out. Yeah, that's true. There's <laughs> a lot of freedom with that. Maybe I, maybe I might choose that one too. I don't know. Yeah. I'd like to think I could leverage smartest into a financially comfortable lifestyle. Yeah, but you're working. You're still working all the time. You're giving lectures. You're on the circuit. You're writing papers. You're wh- whatever it is you're doing. Maybe not. You're figuring out how to grow f- food without water. No. You're figuring that out. Didn't just wake up one morning and go, let me jot this down on this index card and I'm done. Nope. I could be the smartest person and figure out an algorithm that predicts Wall Street <laughs> stuff that makes me just invest $1,000. And then by next year, I've got millions. And I'm not working. The algorithm does all the work for me. I don't have to do anything. The algorithm. <laughs> so I'm done. All right. If I'm the smartest person in the world, I'm going to figure out how to, to make money and not have to work. <laughs> That's what makes me smart. No, no, no. There's the smartest person in the world right now, and they don't have an algorithm that predicts that guarantees them money on Wall Street. Hey, if I go to bed and wake up tomorrow, the smartest person in the world, I can do whatever I want in this scenario, man. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Fair enough. All right. I think wealthiest is the right answer for me. Yeah. But I think most beautiful would be more entertaining. Yeah. No. no. You know, it's superficial. I have no idea for that. That's got like no pull for me, oddly enough. Yeah. But here's the thing. This is the reason why, because I sound terrible choosing that one. I kind of go, you know, I already think I'm, I mean, I like to think I'm pretty smart as it is. (laughs) Yeah. And I can pay my bills. I mean, I'm not poor. Yeah. And I get to take cool vacations. So it's, I go, I'm not living in a box. So wealthy is great, but it'd be like excess. 
it would be like taking what I have and just going to excess. Sure. And I go famous. You know what? I've had a little taste of that and I hated it. I can't imagine what real, like the most, not just like you're a famous person, but like you're the most famous. Mm -hmm. That's a hard no, a hundred percent. That's an easy out on that. So I kind of go, all right, well, the one thing I don't have is beauty. No one has ever said, oh, Borson, you, mm, choice. That's never (laughs) happened. And I go, you know, maybe that'd be kind of fun to see what that was like for a bit. Maybe so. Maybe so. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up the show because I'm sure people don't want to spend any more time about me thinking of being the most beautiful. Thank you for being with us today for episode 97, Burnout. Special thanks to our media partners, Building Design and Construction, for their ongoing support of the Life of an Architect podcast. Want to get every new episode automatically downloaded? Make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button on your podcast player of choice so you can get alerted every time we publish a super duper new episode. While you're there, please consider leaving us a comment. And I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave us a five-star, I-can't-take-it-anymore rating. To get even more content, head over to thelifeofanarchitect.com for blog posts, links, and info about this glorious episode and all the website has to offer. You can even add your voice and join the conversation. Thanks so much for tuning in. Take it easy, everybody. Cheers.